Some of us are old enough to remember back in the day finding that old rusty thermometer in the trash, so we thought it a good idea to rescue that little device, break the vial open, and and spill that silvery, slippery mercury on the driveway, call a few of our friends together, and try to pinch one of those bubbles between our fingers. <laughs> that didn't, didn't work out too well, and it was fun. But, but many years later, we learned that fun wasn't such a good idea, that mercury is toxic and it's dangerous. Well, you know, travailing intercession and prayer is a little like playing with mercury. It's hard to get a hold of, and if you misuse it or abuse it, people will get hurt and disillusioned. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. A good illustration for the seriousness of prophetic intercessory prayer, an activity few in the church have had much experience with, and and some of those who have were found to have misused it, manipulated people through it, found themselves disqualified by it. So we're starting we're starting from scratch on the subject of prayer in the end time, are we? No, I don't think so. God's God's preparing a company of believers now to cry out before him even night and day. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the program today. I want to spend some time on the subject of intercessory prayer, the very, the very thing that the Son of God told us to do by His example, because He wants to help us do it. We find that in Romans 8.26. Listen to the Apostle Paul. The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, folks, that's divinely accurate prayer. Might we find uh, this model for the intercession of the Holy Spirit, what he desires to pour upon the church, especially as we edge closer to the end of this age, might we find it in the model of David's intercession, in Psalm chapter 2, those, those 12 short verses have been favorites of mine for a long time. I believe understanding the heart of David is the key now and in the future for understanding the coming government, the government of God and his millennial earthly rule and reign right here on planet Earth. And brothers and sisters, that will require strategic level Holy Spirit aided direction and strategies on how and what we should be praying for. It's about that time of year, you know. So let's listen to the words that will be found on many of your Christmas cards this season. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, now, what does government have to do with Christmas? And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, this is not your run-of-the-mill Merry Christmas, Happy New Year card. This is a progressive government 
with Messiah Yeshua at its head, governing among the nations and the people who survived the Great Tribulation, Jewish survivors who have seen the one they pierced, were saved in a day and and are now leading and, and learning to pray, worship with Gentiles, babes in the realm of the Spirit, along with the nations are beginning to walk out life in a new age, in a real time and space with our Lord. What a day, what a day that'll be. Do you think prayer has anything to do with these outcomes? I believe we can clearly see Jesus' rule and reign on the earth will progressively increase throughout the 1,000 years. We often consider this great event as somehow symbolic, not understanding that the person of the resurrected, glorified Messiah will actually be here with the resurrected, glorified saints, interacting with, with tribulation survivors and those, uh, those born to them throughout the millennium. We present-day believers seldom think, we seldom think of Jesus in relation to his humanity. We don't see him as a king of kings in the context of the natural conditions on the earth. We limit his rule on the earth instead of seeing his deity in the, in the supernatural conditions of heaven. It's not either or, folks, it's both. This rule and reign of Jesus on the earth will complete the cultural mandate set in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Now, I can't prove it, but I believe there's enough inference to support the fact that David saw this prophetic mandate in Psalm chapter 2, a model for prophetic intercession in David's revelation of the condition of the nations shortly before the Lord's return. Three short verses. Listen to this. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves and the rulers, they take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed saying, verse 3, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Now, these are my words. Let's banish their private and public prayer meetings. These are coming earthly events, a spiritual warfare, if you will, a time, a time that will necessitate the, the believers, an, an assembly of believers on the earth will be doing battle the way the Lord has taught us to do battle, through strategic intercessory prayer. This may be the high point in David's eschatology. It may be his clearest and most significant overview of the end times and the praying character of the assembly of believers during this coming critical time. You see, historically, the nations defy God. David David sees this rebellion as an international hostility toward the Lord and his people. Apostasy, a political revolt, an open defiance against all moral foundations and divine law. Impossible conditions that will be traversed only through spirit-filled intercession among the saints. That's the only way we'll get through it. Strategic level prayer. A kind of prayer that pierces the heavens. Prayer orchestrated by the Holy Spirit 
providing the church with divine strategies for a covenant people being once again scattered throughout the nations. This, folks, (laughs) believers, listen, this is the end-time church. It's an end-time church that's united in intercessory prayer and worship, bringing a supernatural anointing on the body in severe persecution, even to the point of martyrdom. So how does David see God and his activities during this particular time? Well, he goes right on in verse 4 of Psalm chapter 2. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The the Lord will hold them in derision, in hostility and contempt. Verse 5. Then, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now, now think on that for a moment. Just think on that. I, God, have set my rule, my authority. I've sat in a particular chosen place on Zion, the place where my temple will be built once again, the place where Isaiah saw the beauty of the Lord, high and lifted up, filling the temple with his presence and glory. Yeah, that, that temple. Beloved, that will once again be the case. That's going to happen again. The temple of God filled with the beauty of the sun leading the nations through a people who were chosen, commissioned, consecrated to do to do that in the first place. God mocks the nations who dare to oppose him in that in that plan that he has for his people. He commits to intervene as he observes man's attempt to build up extraordinary military, economic, political and 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 spiritual resources on the earth. It'll be as as Zechariah put it, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And finally, David's revelation of Jesus at the end of the age. Let's look at that in verse 7 of Psalm chapter 2. I will declare the decree, the Lord has said to me. You are my son. God's talking to God here. (laughs) Today, I have begotten you. Ask for me, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them. You are going to break the nations with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Here we are, returning to the warring king of kings. The Son of God is declaring five categories of truth to both God and man. Number one, he's God's son. That's his spiritual identity, not just another prophet running around the earth. This is God in the flesh, on the earth, interacting with spirit-filled humanity in a continuous manner in a kingdom that is yet to come. I believe there's, there's a body of believers in this day, today, that's being raised up for this kind of unprecedented prayer and intercession in our day. Number two, he's begotten, he's created, he's, he's occasioned as the divine son functioning in a human body on the earth in a glorified condition with humanity. Number three, this is really important. Intercession is his chief means of establishing his kingdom. Listen to the words of Jesus. I will declare the decree. The Lord said to me, 
You are my son. I've begotten you. Now ask for the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask, prayer, intercession, supplication. Number four, the nations are his inheritance, but they must be possessed. At the opening of the fifth seal in the book of Revelation, listen to this, the martyred saints under the altar of heaven, and and they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. In short, until I come and take the nations as my inheritance. That's how long. Number five, he, Jesus, will put an end to all resistance. These five decrees are being spoken by Jesus now as intercessor and mediator for eternity. Prophetic intercession can be, it can be spoken or it can be sung by anointing of the Holy Spirit, a divine accuracy and communication that will bring forth the kingdom of God to this earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Maranatha cry, even so come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, that we may know you that we may know the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. My Lord, we want to be in a place where we're conformed, where we can abide, follow, and and adhere to the death of the fleshly desires that so often hinder our intimate communication with you. We desire to be part of your end-time prayer movement of unprecedented prayer, travail, and and intercession right here on the earth. Prayer that will that will fill the heavens with our cries of, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Beloved, subscribe to the podcast. Even submit your email address to our The Critical Musts Facebook site. And that way you'll be the first to be notified when a new episode is available and up and ready to be heard. And we keep that information confidential. Have a wonderful time in prayer this week. And Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.